All right. Well, Super Bowl Sunday it is. And I, I said to Bob, you know, I had this Sunday available. I said, you know, I don't think I should speak there in Super Bowl. He goes, no, we have a good Super Bowl Sunday. People will be there. And I said, okay, then I'll, I'll be there. Uh, you know, the Patriots with Tom Brady and, you know, 41-year-old quarterback. And people are saying he's had enough rings and enough games. And, you know, why pick on the older guy, you know? Why pick on the older quarterback? I mean, he earned every one of those games, and that's why I'm for the Rams today. Okay. Uh. All right, let's dig in. Uh, it's uh, 11 o'clock, and so you're out of here probably 11.30 or so. 11.40, going once, twice, 11.45, 50, 50, 52, 57, 58. Okay. Uh, We'll dig into the word a little bit. I want to speak with you this morning about taking your life to the next level. Taking your life to the next level. Now, what I'm going to say will apply to everybody in this room. doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how young, where you are in life, what's going on right now in your life, uh, whatever has happened, uh, what this year represents. You know, the whole thing about life is that the best is yet to come. Can I hear an Amen. Uh, so we, we are forward-looking people. We're not a backward-looking people. We don't live life with a rear-view mirror. We look through the windshield. We go forward. We're, we're a forward-moving people. Why? Because God is a forward-moving God. And so life itself, life itself is a forward-moving, surprising act. Nobody here can predict what 2019 will do with you. Nobody can say that. Uh, you have no idea about 2019, just like you did with 2018. When you start the year, every year is that way. As we start the year, as we start every year, we don't know what the year holds. All we know is that there's a uh, now, what we have, and then there's that not yet. That's life. Now, not yet. All of life is kind of around those two things. Now, I have this, but I want to go there. I want to see that. I want to do that. I want to have that. So I have the now, but I have the not yet. All of life is around arriving and departing. It's, it's around promise and fulfillment. It's around heart, dream, and reality. It's around, and all of that takes place within some stuff called trial and tribulation and surprises and curveballs. And I didn't expect that. Wow, that's a disappointment. Wow, that's amazing. I don't know if I bargained for that. I don't think I saw that coming. That's a curveball for me. And so we all have every one of those things. The curveballs, the, the things that uh, we don't expect, the surprises, and, and uh, you know, not hopefully for sure. There's, there's definitely good surprises, and there's definitely some bad. And there's definitely some great dream fulfillments, and there's definitely some disappointments. There's definitely the reaching for all the things that you see for your life, and then the reality of, oops, I'm 50. Oops, I'm 40. Oops, I'm 60. Oops, uh, I'm not sure everything I saw I will receive, I will achieve, I will do. And that's where midlife crisis and depression comes in with a lot of people because they realize they'll never get there. They realize it. The clock had ticked too far. And so when you're 20, everything you're going to do. When you're 30, it's, I think I will. When you're 40, it's, well, I'm not sure. And when you're 50, it's I better choose specifically. 
because not everything's going to happen. When you're 60, you get even more into the scope of choosing exactly the targets you're going to hit. And so taking your life to the next level is moving you to what I would call the sacred place. The sacred place is your future. The sacred place is where God wants to take you. The sacred place is that space that maybe you don't understand at this point. You don't really have a, a grasp of what that means. But God in his goodness and God in his sovereignty and God in his nature, God always gives us more than we expect and better than what we deserve. Can someone say a big amen? Uh, thank God for that. That, that God always goes further than what we're thinking. He does better than what we plan. He answers more prayers than what we prayed. Why? Because God is good. The nature of God is not to resist, restrain, or cap you. The nature of God is to release you, push you, and help you, and try to get you out of yourself so that you can actually see the things that God wants to have for your life. Now, here's a scripture most everybody here will know, but let me read translation. John 10 and verse 10. Let me just, let me just cherry pick out the one phrase. John 10 and verse 10 where it talks about Jesus uh, and he's talking about life. And in this chapter, Jesus is talking about those people that have to come through the gate in order to have the life. He says you can't come up and steal it another way. Uh, those who come up another way are thieves and robbers and you have to come through the door, through the gate. So really the life that God has for you is through Christ. I'm not talking just uh, about the life that you can have as an individual without God. I'm talking about the life in God, with God, and through God. So I'm not talking just positive thinking, although that's good. And life without God, people do achieve a lot of things. There's a lot of people that do not know God that achieve wonderful and great things. I'm not, I'm not downing that. I'm, I'm kind of cheering humanity. Okay, that's good. But in God, there's more. In God, there's something that has life that is more than you could do for yourself. So John 10.10 10 says, I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. I want you to have and enjoy to the full until it overflows. Now, this is the life that God has for you. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. I want to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. I want to bring it to the full peace. Now, if you look at the phrases here, the, the adjectives, the descriptions, the words that Jesus chooses about this thing called life, and you look at the word rich and satisfying, enjoyable and better and abundance and overflowing and more than you could dream of, if your life is not there, if your life is unremarkable, if your life is not full, if your life is not fulfilling, if your life is not enjoyable, if your life is a disappointment, if your life is something that you would like to trade with someone else, you're not happy with your life, then this message is certainly for you because Jesus can change your life into the light that is full, and the light that is full is a better light than you have right now. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, there's more for your life. And so when you see that, you start moving your mindset and your heart in a different direction. Now, here is one amazing scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 
11 through 13. Now, this is in the message translation. And the scripture really that Paul dealing with, I wish I could deal with the context because the whole chapter would be the context. But these two verses, 11, 12, 13, the three verses, message translation. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. What a phrase. Paul is talking to charismatics. The Corinthians are charismatics. The Corinthians believe in the gifts, the power of God. The Corinthians was the miracle congregation. The Corinthians are everything that we want to be on the positive side of spirit-filled church. And Paul says to them, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. What a piece of wisdom. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. How many of you can say this morning, Jesus, help me? Come on, say with me, Jesus, help me. Help me what? Not live a small life. Where does smallness come from? From your family tree, from your circumstance, from the lack of, from the government being messed up, from the state being messed up, from the country being messed up, from the devil picking on you, to bad relatives, bad fathers, bad mothers, no fathers, no mothers, brothers that picked, all the stuff that, the smallness you have didn't come from the outside. Came from within. You chose to be fenced in. You chose to live small. And Paul says, we didn't fence you in. Why did you fence yourself in? Why did you let your life become so small? And Paul says, I'll tell you why. Because you were small inside. You let your mind begin to shrink to the circumstance and your heart shrink to the disappointment. And you got so beat up, you can't see, you can't believe, you can't, you can't go there. You won't reach there. You won't stretch there. And your life gets smaller and smaller. The devil's will for your life is smaller and smaller. God's will for your life is larger and larger. God's will for your life is for you to never be fenced in, not by people, not by circumstance, not by your own carnal mind, but to be living a life that is full and stretching forward. So who's beat you up lately? Who fenced you in? How did it happen? All right, here's a definition you might want to take down. Taking your life to the next level is this, right here. Taking your life to the next level requires a breaking out, a letting go, a stepping up, and allowing things to unfold at God's pace, ways, and timing, which is always the most difficult in my mind. So taking your life to the next level, which we all want to do, we're not going to try to be boxed in, it requires a breaking out. What is it that you have to break out of? What is it that you have to step up into? What is it 
that you have to allow God to unfold. You have to allow God to pace, show you the doors, the open doors, the ways and the things and the timings. And timing is so important in life. And so when you allow God to open the doors, give you the timing, et cetera, and you expect that when that door opens, you're going to go through it. When that, when that staircase appears, you're going to walk up it. You're not, you're not going to stay at the bottom looking up at the stairs. You're going to walk. You're going to go up the stairs. Here's a scripture that I want to pull a couple things out of. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Now, I understand it's written... In symbolism, the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, the seven churches, his revelation of Jesus in chapter 1, chapter 2. Finally, we get to chapter 3 where he begins to prepare John to give a word to all the seven churches. This scripture is the scripture <coughs> that happens right before John starts unfolding all the visions of the churches. Right before John starts unfolding what would be called revelation, he opens up the invisible realm, begins to speak words into every church, and as he speaks words into these churches about the seven trumpets and the seven and the sevens and the sevens and the seven, he's already spoke words into them about their own spiritual state. He's already given them an idea of how they're living. And after 50 years, all the churches John's talking to are, are more than 50 years old. So he says to them, you all have problems. Every single one of you, except for Philadelphia, and that's the shortest piece of scripture. There might have been some stuff, and he just didn't go into it. But every church had problems. Every one of them had slippage. Every one of them had a value confusion. Every one of them were doing things that were not spiritually correct. Every one of them, they all had problems, just like every church in America, every church in the world, after a few years, you will have some things you have to deal with. So John is saying to them, you have things you have to deal with, but I want you to actually do what I'm going to tell you so that you can go to the next level. The next level was the vision he's going to give him. Now, I'm going to apply this to you. I'm going to apply this to your life. Not to the church, although it can be applied to City Harvest or to any local church. But I'm going to apply it to your life. Let me just do a devotional application to you as if I was writing the letter to you. Revelation 4.1. And after this, I looked, and I saw a door that opened into heaven. Then the voice that had spoken to me at first, it sounded like a trumpet, said, come up there. And I will show you what happens next. I will show you what must happen next. Now, we're talking about your life in that sacred neck, that sacred future, that next step, that next staircase, that next whatever it might be that you're moving your life into because God always moves forward. And so there is a next for every one of you sitting in this room. There's a next. There's a next door. There's a next dream. There's a next relationship. There's a next miracle. There's, there's a next coming to your life. And so here in this scripture John says, after this, and I, I want to just kind of do a little bit of the, the Greek stuff on this because this verse is so rich in meaning. Apply this now to your life. When John says, after this, the Greek would actually read this way. Pause. Stop. Because there's something about to unfold. Pause. 
and stop because there's something about to unfold. After this, after what? After whatever you've been through, after last year, after whatever is happening right now, after your vision, after your dreams, after your broken wing dreams, whatever is going on, the word of the Lord would come to you and say, I want you to kind of pause right now because I'm about ready to unfold something new. And if you don't stop and breathe in some new faith and some new dreams and new vision and get ready for the next, you're going to miss the next door. You're going to miss the next thing because you're going to be living so busy trying to fix everything up. I want you to stop. I want you to pause. And I want you to get ready for a brand new thing that's going to open up. Come on. Now, you might think there's nothing more to be revealed to your life, but I'm telling you this morning, there's a door. For every one of you, there's a door that's going to come in front of you. And that door is going to represent what this word means. I think it's so significant to our life that there's a door in front of us it's a new opportunity. The word door here actually is the word vault. It's the word vault. And so he says, I saw a vault. And inside the vault, there's all these mysteries and provisions and things that are behind that door. Behind, not just a door, but a vault door. And there's all these provisions for finance and for healing and for relationships and for, for new dreams, new visions. There's all these mysteries behind the door. And the, the scripture is saying, I want you to pause. I want you to stop because I'm about ready to open your vault. And in your vault are some mysteries that you didn't bargain for. You have no idea about. You don't even deserve. And you're shooting so low. I want you to lift your eyes because the door that I'm going to open has so many mysteries and so many amazing things. You will not even accept it. You won't even believe it. You'll try to go back, but I'm telling you, I want you to go through the door. And I want you to take every one of those mysteries, and I want you to apply them, because my vault is bigger than your vault. My dream for you is bigger than your dream. My purpose for you is broader, deeper, wider, and better than you could ever purpose. I'm telling you, don't just work with your bank account. Work with God's bank account. I have a vault for you, and it's going to open. Then the voice, that same voice that came to John earlier, that trumpet voice that had spoken to me at first, it sounded like a trumpet, come up here. Come up here. You cannot enter the door that God has if you don't go up. You can't be there and see the door, you have to come here. So God is saying to all of us, I don't want you to stay at the door you're in front of right now because I have another door, and the door I have for you is a high door. It's a door that you have to go up for. I want you to come up. I want you to come up in your faith, in your vision, in your believing, in your hope, in your confession. I want you to come up because the door I have for you is up here, not down there. Most of us live in the down there. We live in the doubt, the unbelief, the, the brokenness, the stuff that comes, the life that we see, the disappointments, and all that happens down there. And the word of the Lord to every one of us this morning is that God wants us to come up. Come on, can I hear an amen? 
come up? Why live life with a broken wing? Why? Accept the level you're on. Why? Would you open the door that is in front of you instead of the door that's above you and the door above you is a vault full of great things? Well, you know, I heard this before and I reached once and I got my hand slapped or I got so disappointed and, you know, I'm just not sure these kind of things happen. I, I, I want to say it again to you. Your next level is in your next faith. Your next level is in going up, not staying there. Your next level means you got to destroy the old patterns of thinking from yesterday. You have to destroy the strongholds of smallness that has captured your heart and your mind so that you won't even shoot for the stars. You shoot for the trees. And if you shoot for the trees, you might shoot yourself on the foot. You need to go higher. Our sin is not that we aim too high and miss. Our sin is that we aim too low and hit. Got to go higher. Look, are you there? How many are getting something out of this? Okay, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to them, you got to go higher. You, you, you just, I'm, I'm just telling you, you got to go higher. I'm, I'm telling you right now, you got to let go and you got to go higher. Come on, preach them a little bit. You got to go higher. You got to go up to the next door. You, you, you can't stay where you are. Uh, you, you've got to believe for the rich and abundant and satisfying life that God has for you. And you've got to step out. Okay, we're going to come up. We're going to see what's going to happen next. Another scripture. 1 Kings 3.5. 1 Kings 3.5. It's to Solomon. Now Solomon had a father who achieved so much, but ended with some real challenges. Solomon was not the first choice, but he was God's choice. And Solomon was young and tender in heart. And God was going to talk with him. How do I know that Solomon had any hunger for God? I'll tell you how I know. That night there in Gibeon, he didn't live in Gibeon. He went to Gibeon. That's not where he lived. That's where the Ark of the Covenant had been set up. That's where the voice of God was residential. That's where the presence of God resided at that point. He didn't live there. But that night, before he takes the throne, before he takes leadership, before he goes for the next dream, before he does anything, it says that night he's in Gibeon. Why? Because he realizes something. My dream will limit me. What I see is not enough. And if God doesn't help me, I can't do anything anyway. So that night in Gibeon, God appeared. Would you write down if you're taking notes? That night there in Gibeon, that night, the best dreams come in darkness. The deepest life changes are hardships. When you don't know what's happening is when God speaks the loudest. It's when God nudges you the most. It's when you have to have 
the divine. That night there in Gibeon, God appeared. I call this, God appeared, divine interruption. That God moves in. He invades your life. He interrupts what you're doing. He stops your small plans. He stops your small ideas. He begins to actually maneuver you through his sovereignty to set you up for a divine surprise that you could not set yourself up for. Can you even imagine how much setting up it took to get Ruth at the right place? Naomi, husband dies, the sons die, the daughter-in-laws want to go with her. One finally stays there. Ruth's the only one that goes. And the the mother-in-law says to Ruth, why are you coming with me? I'm going back to Israel. You're a a heathen. You're a Gentile. There's no place for you where I'm going. And then we use this for weddings every place else. But it's really a purpose of God. Scripture where she says, wherever you go, I'll go. Your people are my people. I'll dwell. It's, it came out of an absolute devastation. We use it in weddings to celebrate, but the origination of that is devastation. The origination of that is a young woman who could see nothing for her life, nothing in front of her, nothing that was working out. Her husband is dead. The family is dead. All that's left is Naomi, and Naomi says, I am bitter. Don't call me Naomi. Change my name to bitterness. That this is what has happened to me. I went out full and I'm coming home empty. This is what happened to me. When you trust God, you go out full and you come back empty. This was her message. And Ruth says, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm going with you. What is God doing? God is going to invade her steps with a secret sovereignty and a secret surprise that no woman could have ever set for herself. But when you have right values and a heart to follow that word, and she knew her commitment, God was making a pathway for her that was going to be the most amazing story in the Bible. When she finally finds her future and everything that happens, who would have prophesied to Ruth? Who would have prophesied and said, your husband just died? Yes, my my husband just died. Well, I'm going to give you a prophetic word. This is a devastating emotional journey, and I would never belittle it. But your husband died in the will of God. I don't want to hear that now. I know you don't, but I'm going to say it to you. Your life is not meant to be lived in the smallness of your surroundings. And it's not meant to be lived in the genealogy of your Gentile background. I have another life for you. I have another dream for you. And the only way to get you to move was to bring enough pain that would cause you to go to the place I want you to go. Pain is the guidance of the Holy Spirit if we would listen to pain, destruction, devastation, disappointment, brokenness, things that don't work out. The things that don't work out sometimes is God maneuvering you to get you to the place to the things that will work out. Ruth had no idea. Boaz, 
There was no Boaz in her life. God says, I, I just want you to work the field. What a boring life, God. My husband is dead. I'm in a foreign country, and I'm a beggar. I'm working the edges of the field to collect a little bit of barley to feed my mother-in-law and live in our little tent over here, and she has no land. She has no inheritance. There's nothing working out for her either, and so I'm just going to glean and and. In that gleaning, in the boring, low-level light that she thought she had was the sovereignty of God setting her up for the greatest provision that she could ever imagine. And Boaz says, who? Who's that? She's beautiful. Says she's beautiful. Boaz says, who, who is that? Oh, that's uh, it's Ruth. Naomi's daughter-in-law, but... They've come through a very horrible time, and her husband died. Does she have a family here? No, she's, she's not. She's a Gentile. She's not, she's not an Israelite. Naomi is, but they have nothing. No sons, no family, no land, no bank account. They had zero. Boaz says, I'll tell you what. You watch over that girl. And you make sure she has plenty to glean. And I'll tell you something else. Tell all the young men, if they touch her, they're dead meat. <laughs> That's what he said. Anybody even looks at her, there will be a problem. And this is God guarding this woman who doesn't understand the dream, the process, the path. She's beginning maybe to live small, exist, glean the field, do what I can. And God says, you're gleaning. It's going to make you the owner of that field. So the job you're at, you're going to own that business. I'm not saying you can, but uh, maybe you can. Maybe the people you're working for will work for you. Maybe the inheritance you didn't get from your family is coming from somewhere else. Maybe the provision for your future that you can't even imagine you could ever have. God says, I already have it in the making. You just have to come up and start looking for those things that are kind of surprising and a little bit disturbing because I'm in the whirlwind. I'm in those things. And if you will watch closely, I'll take you to a bigger life. Can I hear an amen? amen. So after this, that night, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And, you know, everybody preaches on this, but just think about it. When God says to him, what, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do? I had a habit my whole life. I've been ministering now for over four decades, but I had a habit in my pastoring and my leading and everything I did in those days where I was responsible for a congregation and congregations, I would write out things I needed. I would write out things I wanted, and I would write out things that were impossible for me to get. And as I look back over the years, the impossible to get became the possible. The thing that I would have never written down 
if I would only open the door in front of me. Don't just open the doors you see. Open the doors you can't see. You got to go up. God says, if you do, I want you to ask the question, what can I do for you? If, if God scooted up to you right now, knee to knee, and he was talking to you in your living room or somewhere, and God said to you, uh, what do you want? What would you say? What do you want? Well, I, uh, okay, um, well, what can I do for you, Frank? Um, okay, I, I got a couple. That's all you're going to ask is those two things? Well, no, I, I'm trying to think. Why, why haven't you thought before this? Because no one's ever asked me that question. Well, I have given you the permission to get that from me. Why, why would you not go higher, go up, go through? Why wouldn't you open the bowl? Why would you live in such a meager, small way? Well, because, and so we'll answer, but the, the truth is, God is saying, what can I do for you? Here's another scripture that fits this. Not on the slide, but put it down. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, where it says, we see through a glass darkly, obscurely. We can't see. And what we do see is dense, dark, pencil drawing with fog over it. You, you can't see it. You're living life kind of in the fog. And living life in the fog is a very real challenge to live life in the fog. Where we can't see. We're in a fog. We use that sometimes when we're talking to people. That person just kind of, uh, they, they're kind of in a fog. They don't, it, it's a, it's a, a phrase that we American people would understand, but it's also a phrase that the scriptures understand when a person lives in the density of obscurity and they can't see, they begin to operate only what they can't see. And before you know it, they're moving slow, they're achieving very little because the fog has really landed their plane. They can't go any further. I would like to say to you here at Harvest Church today, I'd like to say to you, let's get out of the fog. I'd like to say to you, let's go up and let's open some new doors. I would like to say to you, thus saith the Lord, get rid of your smallness. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help people around you. And it's not the will of God. I'd like to say to you that you need to say to the people that have fenced you in, you can't fence me in because God has moved my boundary lines. And my fence posts have been removed and they're way out there now. And so it, don't even bother trying to move them back because I won't be fenced in. I'm a woman of faith. I'm a man of faith. I have a dream. I have a vision. I'm going to go for the stars. I am shooting for it. I don't care what age I am. I'm believing God has a vault for me. I'm going to open that vault. I'm going to get the mysteries, the provision, and I'm going to go for the gold. That's the attitude, that's the attitude that you must gain. Can I hear an amen? amen? Okay. I'm going to give you a couple of phrases. I can't preach them, but 
I'm going to give you what I call next level phrases. So if the Holy Spirit did come to you today and say, okay, I want you to move to the next level, and uh, everyone that is saying with me that you agree with me and that you will move to the next level, wave at me. Everyone that believes the person sitting next to you is limiting you and fixed you in, <laughs> smack them right in the, no. All right, if the Holy Spirit is coming to you and saying, okay, I want you to open the ball, go to the next ball, come up here, I want you to get small and sound spirit, and, and you're saying, yes, 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 yes. Then also the Holy Spirit will come, and this scripture, and this phrase, the first phrase, now is the time. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. And behold, now is the day of salvation. God says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, this is translation. And God says, at just the right time, I heard you. And on that day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time, the right, everyone say out loud with me, the right time. Now, this is what the Bible says. It says the right time is now. Everyone say now. When is the right time? Yeah. Well, as soon as I take care of this, and as soon as I talk to him, and as soon as I get rid, and as soon as I get some more counseling, and as soon as I get some more healing, and as soon as I get this off my head, and as soon as I get it, and it's always that we push it out, we push it out, and we start making deals with life. I would like you on this February 2nd of 2019, February 2nd? Third. Well, that, there you go. I'm living in the, <laughs> here I am, living in the past already. I would like you to say February 3rd, 2019. Write it on your notes. Write it on your phone. Put it somewhere on February 3rd, 2019. I believe that today is my day and now, come on, shout now. Now, one more time. Now is my time. I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm not waiting for anything. Now is my time. I'm looking for miracles, open doors. I'm looking for the next level. I'm going there. And by the way, when you go to the next level, you don't have room for everyone on that journey. Some people that are too small in heart, too small in spirit, and I'm not talking about your spouse. You can't leave them. <laughs> you have to tie a rope and drag them. But other kinds of relationships, you can't always take everybody with you because some people love to live in the past, love to live in their hurts, love to talk about everything that wasn't, love to talk and blame shift on everybody at their fault, their fault, my mom, my dad, my uncle. They, I mean, they blame everyone else. If you live around that, you will become the same. You'll blame shift. You'll make excuses. You'll be the victim. You cannot go to the next level as a victim. Can't get there. You can't get there by blame shifting. His fault, her fault, his fault. You have to leave it behind. And you have to say, come on, what do we, what do we say? Now. Now is my time. Faith is a funny thing. Nobody can do it for you. It's like water baptism. You can't do it proxy, you know. Uh, would you get baptized for me? Thank you. Oh, 
I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Thank you very much. Will you get spirit-filled for me? Oh, I feel it. Thank you very much for, for being spirit-filled for me. There are certain things that only you can do. And faith is one of them. You have to have your own faith for yourself. Say, well, people don't believe in me. Who cares what people believe in? Well, nobody likes me. Who cares? People are stupid. <laughs> Who cares? Well, nobody encouraged me. Who cares? Well, people don't give me great prophecies. Who cares? Give yourself a great prophecy. That saith the Lord. I'm on my way to greatness. God has called me. The vault is opening. I am the chosen of the Lord. Someone say, what are you doing? I am prophesying over myself because the prophecies I got were not good enough. They weren't big enough. They weren't deep enough. Then prophesy over yourself. Quit blaming the prophets or the church or the preaching or quit blaming anybody and say to yourself, now is my time and I'm going to go there. People will say, what got into you? Me got into me. What do you mean? God got into me and I'm telling you what, I don't care who comes with me, I'm going. Come on. Now, your now is your pivot point. The point at which a very significant change occurs. That's what we mean by pivotal point. A decisive moment. An action that turns things around. A specific point in our life that we would call pivot point, deciding moment, something happened. Why don't you make that your now? Make it because God will honor your faith. If you will go there, God will go with you. If you will believe, God will believe with you. If you want to live on a low level, God will let you. Why? Because you are. A lot of us are right now on a lower level than we should be. Why doesn't the angel come in the night and slap us around in bed and, and lights come on in the room? Get up, you sloth. You, you small thinking worm. What are you doing in the bed? The angel wing slapping you around, picking you up, slamming you down. What is wrong with you? It doesn't happen. You're responsible for your level. And if you let someone rob you, that's your fault. You let someone beat you up, that's your fault. Now, in the natural things happen, it's not our fault, I understand. You understand what I'm saying, I'm using metaphors and stuff. Okay, so it's you taking responsibility for you and you're saying, now is my time. Now is my pivot point. Now is my crossroads, the intersection where more options are going to come. 
I, I've always had a way of living in faith, and I'll tell you what it is. It is believing and all that. But in my process, even when I couldn't get there, go there all the way, this is what I would do. I would lean that direction. I would start leaning in. People say, well, there's no jobs out there. I applied for three jobs. Keep applying. Well, I don't. Just lean into it. Well, there's no relationships in our church. You know, there's no men my age. Just talk to every man. Uh, you know, single. Uh, uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm covering your bases here, Bob. You know. No single woman talking to married men. <laughs> Come on, everyone say, now. now. It's my time. My, time. My, pivot my pivot point. My crossroads. My, crossroads. my, decision, point. my decision point. Now ask yourself a simple question. If you're going to have a now time with everything I've said so far, what should you stop doing? And what should you start doing? I'll tell you for sure, stop worrying. Doesn't do anybody any good. Stop confessing wrong things. Even with my kids to this day, they will say something in my office, and I would say to them, don't say that. Well, why? It's true. It's not true. Well, how do you know it's not true? Because I'm... I'm, I'm me. Don't say that. Don't even put it in your mouth. Don't confess that. You got to stop it. Put your hand out. Everybody put your hand out. Put your, your other hand has to be free. Okay, put your hand out. Other hand free. Now lift up the one hand over the other. Higher. Now slap it. It's exactly what you do. You simply say to yourself, no. Naughty, naughty boy. Naughty worrying, naughty confession. And if you can't help yourself, buy some duct tape. Put it over your mouth so that nothing bad comes out. And when something good is trying to get out, take the tape off, say it, put the tape back on. <laughs> you know why you're laughing? You know why you're laughing? Because every one of us know it's true. Every one of us know we're guilty, but we would like the person next to us to be more guilty. If I would have married up. Men marry up. What do women do? Marry upper. That's right. We're the upper choice. Are you married? Is that your husband? Is that your wife? You married up. Did you marry up too? How, how far up did you marry? How far up did you marry? Way more. Somehow I believe her. I just, I, yes. 
Okay. Patriots are going to lose, and I'm going to preach. <laughs> then you'll say, he was a false prophet. Who cares? <laughs> I prophesy over myself. I'm a good prophet. <laughs> I'm a good prophet. I missed it there, but I'm a good prophet. <laughs> one more, one more point, because Bob said 1141. Dad said, let me ask you a personal question. Just chill out for a second now. And remember, you're in the presence of God. You have to tell the truth. Does Bob ever go long? I've known Bob a long time. All right, point two. Bob McGregor is a great preacher. He's a great preacher. He's a Bible man. He's, he's a hard worker, hard studier. He goes there. He's a historian, buff. And he's trying to get buff also. <laughs> Working out, doing all this stuff you do. I, you're too old for that, Bob. I mean, you're gonna, something's going to give out here pretty soon. You're going up. Okay. I, I wish I could, but one last point. One more minute. Breaking out. Everyone say breaking out. Breaking out. So what are you doing? All right, Micah 2.13. The one who breaks open will come before them. They will break out, Micah 2.13, and they will pass through the gate and go out by it. Breaking out, breaking open. One translation which I like the best on this verse, Micah 2.13 I, I like the message translation, like Eugene Peterson. He's in heaven now writing more books. But his translation on the message Bible, you know how he started this translation? He's a pastor, and he started writing out offering scriptures for the church. And he was writing out, are you trying to get him to tell me to quit? That's what you're doing, aren't you? You get back, you get back, you get back. Trying to get a message to the children's ministry that we're going. I know all about this. You know, we've run out of crackers. I pastored for 40 years. I know all about the crackers. I could get away with most anything in the sanctuary, but the kids' ministry people, they would lynch me. Right? You know that. Okay. All right. Micah 2.13, Mansi translation. Then I, God, listen, write these three words down. Four words. We'll burst all confinements. What a great translation. And I'll lead them into an open space. What does God want to do in your life? He wants to burst all the confinements little threads, ropes, and chains. Okay. 
Well, it's been fun to have my annual visit to Harvest Church. How many feel liberated? You had the two most beautiful children in the whole world. You got to be happy. And did you marry up or? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. What a great guy. What great kids. Beautiful kids. Wow. Okay. What are we saying today? We're saying now is my. And we're saying we're going to. At least you got two of my eight points. <laughs> Next year, I'll give you the other six points. <laughs> All right, we've already done salvation and prayer, so I'm going to have you stand to your feet. I'm going to have you um, spread your hands toward heaven with your arms. Everyone say out loud, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going going. to the next level. level. I'm opening opening. my new doors, doors. a new vault vault. with everything everything that I need. need. I'm not listening to people. people. Now is my time. time. I'm breaking out. I'm I'm going forward. forward. Limitations broken. Dreams fulfilled. My life is meant to be lived bigger. All right, we'll try it again. My life is meant to be lived bigger. So smallness, be gone in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a shout and a clap this morning.